everyone, and welcome to another American Scouser podcast. We have our Monday crew here, as always. I am your host, Timuchin, here in Chicago. And with us today, back in the stadium, is Galley. Galley, what's happening? What's happening, guys? Hopefully, we don't have last week's audio problems from the stadium. Uh, let's hope not. Let's hope not. And before Bickler gets in, Alan is in with greetings from Houston. And Bickler, I, who I'm sure is enjoying this international break, as always, is with us. What's up, Paul? What's up, dog? Love international break. I know you love international break. And if you like, once we eventually do this behind the scenes one, uh, we got to see Bickler. The food, not even make it to the pot this time, straight out of the can, Bickler in effect. I was actually going to, with all the stuff that's going on, uh, and most of it being rumors, I was like, man, the Monday podcast, but 60 to 70% of Turkish people said, do the podcast, so let's freak your roll with it, what the hell. So we're not going to go trivia, I'm going to give you guys a few weeks off over here so you guys can relax. So we'll touch up a lot of the, you know, like the talk that's going on right now with the rumors. I really don't want to go into it individually because we'll be here for like five hours. Because I think as of now, we're already signed like 15 people or we're interested. Let's start with the stuff we know and then we'll head towards the rumorville. So first off, the boring guy is back for another year. I hear a lot of like different takes. I really thought this was going to be kind of like a smooth deal under the table and nobody would kind of like blink an eye, but I'm seeing a lot of conflicting uh, comments, reactions from people. Bickler, let's start with you. What do you make of Milner being back? I mean, I don't know what there is to argue or be like to be conflicted about. I mean, if he's on with reduced wages, which, you know, like, op, like the reports are that he took a massively reduced pay package to stay on for an additional year um, versus higher offers from other clubs. Uh, I think that's a great thing for us. I mean, I think, I think this is essentially, uh, this is a locker room signing for me. I mean, this is essentially another, another coach in the dressing room. I think you've got a lot of young, young kids in the squad coming up, whether it's Harvey Elliott or Jones, um, any of those guys, I mean, Carvalho is going to come in and he's, he's pretty young. I mean, I think all those players can really learn a lot from having not only that personality in the locker room, but watching that guy work because he just is an absolute monster in terms of how he takes care of his body and how he conducts himself. Anybody that steps on a pitch and makes their debut when they're 16 and is still playing competitively at 40 is obviously doing a lot of things right. Michael says, by the way, it looks like Timuchin and Galli have gotten out in the sun since the season ended. Bickler, not so much. Honestly, most of my son was when I was hiding out in the garden before the Champions League kicked in underneath the sun. Otherwise, have not done a whole lot about it. But Galli, let's get to you. I mean, I know, like when I read the comments, I like I say, I'm exactly with you, Bickler. I mean, this was kind of like a locker room signing, vice captain. It's like the kind of personality we want there to lead people. I mean, that locker room just doesn't happen by magic. This is not FIFA. But I think people are expecting like all these like signings and exciting news. Is that part of the deal there, Galley? that this is not as exciting because it's Milner? Almost like a new signing? Well, I, I think that is what it is. It's not exciting because it's not new. So that, therefore, this just means that it's a normal Liverpool signing because half the fan base isn't happy about it for some reason. 
Um, the other half of the fan base might be overexcited. I think what it comes down to is he was signed as a locker room or uh, dressing room presence. We laud these guys for the leadership. We laud them for how great and connected they seem they are. And then we're surprised when arguably, you know, their vice captain or their second biggest leader, and I don't even think there's an argument there, has been rewarded for always being in shape, always being fit, and always being available, even though he's asked to play less than most. So he takes a reduced pay packet, which I think shows he understands more than ever his status with the club. And if you listen to him, the biggest reason he re-signed was the respect of his teammates, the people surrounded within the organization for all those people who think the owners and the leadership there are all morons. Clearly the players respect them, but most importantly, Klopp told him there was still a job for him as a player in this side. And that might be the last three minutes of every game and a yellow every three matches, right? As we talk about with the five subs next year. But I also think this speaks to another big point we've talked about, which is I think we're going to see less of Jordan Henderson from an appearance standpoint than we saw this year. And I think having a guy like Millie to either start some matches or come off the bench and offer that leadership is going to be immense. And I think he'll be worth his weight in gold as our sixth or seventh midfielder, just like he was this year. Yeah, Catherine says she's thrilled about Millie's contract. Not thrilled he took a pay cut, though. I don't know why. I mean, I, I mean, it almost like had to go with it, I think, and I'm sure he knows. I'm glad you brought that up, Gally, because that was my next question to Bickler, is the playing time. I mean, do you see it's, it's almost when you read Milner's comments, like Gally's saying, it's almost like sounds like they got a good thing going and perhaps it would have been a different situation if we finished the season with either the league title or the Champions League, maybe especially the Champions League. But he feels like there's a good thing going, there's more to be done, so he's staying. But what does that say about his playing time? I mean, what is that role that, you know, Galli was referring to in terms of Klopp told him that he has, aside from leadership? We understand that part, but how often should we expect to see him on the field? I actually didn't pay that comment a whole lot of attention for a number of reasons. I think a he could go anywhere else with people that were pay, that were offering to pay larger contracts and probably play more. Uh, secondly, I think that if you're Jurgen Klopp, you're making that comment out of respect because you don't want to make it seem like this is a locker room signing, like out of respect for James Milner. Like my personal opinion is, if we're relying on him and we re-signed him for playing, that that's a problem. I mean, for us competing across four fronts. Um, I think that the amount of minutes that he got down the stretch at the end of the season really showed how shallow we were in midfield. And the fact that we need to seriously address the midfield and retool it. Um, nothing against James Milner. Bottom line is he's going to be 37 next season. And like, that's just like those minutes that you have plugging him into that system. I would hope are in cup matches versus young kids so they can learn and he can stabilize that, that sort of midfield and in sort of shape and lead. But I think coming in at the end of really important matches and that's the guy that you're calling off the bench is really concerning to me uh, because I think those are minutes that are, are, are being seeded from players that you would want to be blooding in, whether it be Harvey Elliott, whether it be Curtis Jones. And I know those are different players, but those are minutes off of those types of players. 
Um, and so, yeah, it, for me, if, if, if you're looking at that role of James Miller as the guy that you're plugging in off the bench down the stretch in the final 10 minutes of key matches, that's concerning for me. I don't think that's why he was resigned. I think a lot of this is just um, set out of respect for, uh, for James Milner and, and what he has been as a professional. And I wouldn't expect any manager to say any differently. And I think we had like a mixed bag this year. There were some games where he showed his age in terms of pace or agility. And there were some games where his leadership really paid off and he was able to clean it up. I think going back to what Bickler is saying, Galley, is off the bench in terms of depth, while we had a lot of midfield players that can be more of an attacking midfielder, we just didn't have a lot of people that we could rely on to come in and clean things up and kind of like keep the game under control defensively. Because when you talk about the names that, you know, Bickler wasn't mentioning, Jones and Elliott's and, you know, Ox and all those guys, they're more, they're not, you know, their weakness is probably defensively. So how often do you expect to see Milner out there? Or is it just a matter of, you know, if the game is in hand, he's going to be the guy to give Fab some 20 minutes off? I mean, I, I, I was talking cup matches, lower league matches, you know, one out of five, maybe Premier League matches. But this goes back to my point. He, he beat those guys out because Klopp clearly doesn't believe those guys are good enough. And he just got a one-year contract because in case new or in case reinforcements don't come in, to Paul's point, and I think mine, which was a retool of the midfield, the current guys aren't good enough. And I don't think Klopp believes they'll be good enough by next season either. So it might be James Milner time against the, you know, Burnley likes of the world, you know, depending on how Fulham or Bournemouth play when they come up, the lower teams in the league trying to see out matches with and give leadership. But we also don't have, as we've talked about before, other than Mavi, we really don't have a substitute for Henderson. And the only like for like at all that brings any form of leadership stern is Milner right now. You, you bring in Curtis Jones for Jordan Henderson and ask him to play the same role. We know what happens. There ends up being turnovers and the ball gets behind Trent. So I, I just think that there has to be a couple more buys but James Milner had a two-year contract from a Premier League team, a three-year a three-year contract at like triple his wages to come to MLS. There was money out there for James Milner, and he took a one-year deal. Maybe he sees it as one more year to pad the trophy cabinet. Maybe he thinks he's only got one more year left in his legs and he doesn't want to do it anywhere else. But, you know, Leeds, Newcastle, these clubs were all interested. So, I mean, it seems to me he stayed because – he believes there's some minutes for him. I hope, to, like Paul, I think they're going to be scarce, but I, I'd be shocked if he wasn't right on that depth chart at the beginning of the year, probably getting minutes ahead of someone we all think should be playing because that's what Klopp's done his whole seven years here. How do you read that one-year thing, Bickler? Like, you know, I understand Galley's point, and I do agree, uh, but how do you read it? Is that something that's coming from Milner? Uh, in terms of like Milanoman's capabilities or like let's go for another year and see what happens? Or is that more like us? We're not going to get anybody probably, uh, so let's keep him here to be there. I don't think it has anything to do with who's coming in or who's outgoing. Uh, I think the next 18 months, I think, are going to be a serious transition from this team. And I think there's going to be a shift and it's going to get younger. 
Um, but I think that Milner provides an added layer of leadership for that team. Like, I think it just goes back to the locker room thing we talked about at the beginning. Does he have the quality? For sure. For sure. I don't think the reason that he signed a one-year contract to stay at Liverpool had anything to do with playing time whatsoever. I think it had to do with the fact that he loves the team. He loves the city. He loves his role. And I think, I think he's a, I think he's a guy that I could genuinely see going after coaching badges and being part of um, the greater Liverpool family down the road. Um, I think he has a vested interest in, I mean, you watch him in his time off going to the youth games, right? Like I think he has a vested interest in, in being in learning more about the admin side of this thing. And I think that would, I think, he knows that he's part of one of the greatest sports organizations in the world. And I think that had more to do with it than playing time. And that's a good point. Cause if that's what you're after in terms of like getting more knowledge in that Avenue, I mean, you would probably get rather do it at Liverpool with Klopp and Pep as opposed to, you know, like some of the alternatives you were mentioning galley, like Leeds or like, you know, uh, Newcastle and stuff like that in terms of like learning probably like from the best at a top level team kind of deal. But I mean, yeah, the dude definitely has it in him. And yeah, I mean, I was delighted that he, he was on. I was hoping he would stay. I know a lot go, everybody talks about, you know, Klopp and, you know, you know, yeah, this creating this locker room, but a big part of that is some of those leaders in that locker room. And obviously Milner is one of them along with Hendo. So that was, I mean, I thought it was a good news when I saw some, like comments in terms of people saying like, ah, why? And stuff like that. I think it just goes back to the lack of excitement that it's not a new signing and kind of poo-pooing whatever was out there. But so let's get to something else that we know for a fact. And we have been conveniently avoiding over the last couple of podcasts is the fantasy league that is now over. So the winner, unfortunately, was not Kelly, even though we rooted for her. And actually, Nikita Nikolaev, and I kind of stalked him online, but I was not able to locate, or I was able to locate several of them. And I don't know which one is our winner here, but congratulations to him for being winning the American Scouser Cup, the annual American Scouser Cup. And Kelly finished fifth. 2580 was the winner. Uh, Kelly finished with 2,524 points. Uh, scrolling down over here further, Galley 24 71 and 12. Happy with that, Galley? No, no, I lost by seven spots to my wife. That's pretty much the first loser in my own house. Um, <laughs> those of you who don't know, I'm gonna get a dog, and the dog will probably beat me in next year's fantasy. It'll have its own team, and it'll still probably beat me. The thing will be nine. 18 weeks old and it'll know more about fantasy soccer than me. Um, but uh, no, proud of my wife. She did a nice job. You know, she probably listened to me too much at times and that probably what did her in. And let's keep scrolling. Not that let's funny, scroll down. Only 15th. Big little, who would have thought you would have finished 15th when we started kind of following this fantasy league and kind of pooping and talking shit about it before you made a huge run to the top 10. You got to be delighted by really backing into the 15th spot over here. I'm not because I really tanked the last six weeks of the season, man. I hit a wild card, did great on the wild card, and then every consecutive move after folded as if the universe wanted Galley to pass me and watch me see it happen in slow motion. Um, it was painful um, because I, I, I got to tell you, in the like, you know, 
what is it, 20, 25 week span that I was up on Galley. I talked a lot of shit. So like watching him storm back at the end was probably <laughs> karma. But it, it was incredible to Galley. He didn't really say a whole lot um, because I was expecting it back. But I think I think the dog comment probably uh, is his way of talking shit to me and saying that like the dog's gonna finish higher. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that might happen. That might be the truth. And to be totally fair, it's hard to talk shit when you know I talked a lot of shit at the beginning of the year about how my wife's like two week hiatus at the top wouldn't be a big deal, and and all the coach speak talk and the jokes when we were in Nashville and. I basically said she fold like a cheap suit and she basically ran roughshod over me wire to wire. Um, so like most things in the world, she gets her way. Well, like the dog that we went and picked out on Sunday. Did she get yeah, the I think missing, missing captains the last six weeks really just did me in for sure. But it was fun while it lasted. I blame Mo for my slide as well, by the way. Uh, but I walked. Talk to talk and walk to walk. I said this thing was crap all year, and I finished it at such 52. The last two, three weeks just got away from me, and I was like, oh, it's too late. I was hoping to at least finish in the first page, but that did not happen. Speaking of talking a lot of smack, uh, pulling up our Polish prince, Mateusz, over here, who finished in the 28th spot because there was a lot of banter going on there. And I feel bad for Dan Bennett, who was – Number one at one point, and I was trying to get him on a podcast. And ever since then, he just crumbles all the way down to the 24th spot with my curse. But so I do apologize for that. But next year is going to be huge. We have, first of all, with our YouTube channel, Gally over here with his expertise. I'm hoping you're going to ask Kelly a lot of questions before you do these fantasy shows, right? Because we want some actual expertise. Maybe we'll get her. Maybe we'll even have her make an appearance. I tried to get her to make an appearance on this. She said if she had won, she would have come and accepted the trophy and basically just took a big fat dump on me while everyone else laughed. And uh, but because she finished fifth, she said, you know, I can't go up there. I'm not going up there to accept the fifth place medal. So I got to go earn one. So we'll see. Most likely she'll be at like 52 with you on the second page. Well, you know, she can still come and take a dump on you. I mean, you were 12th. Just make sure she dumps on your bed instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Probably. Oh, I can't wait for that legal proceedings. Uh, so next season, by the way, <laughs> Kelly is going to be hopefully featuring in Galley's uh, weekly podcast with, like, just fantasy football. Bickler, will you be – Making appearances on that podcast, or will you be avoiding it like the plague or listening to every word Kelly Galley says over here? I'm pretty fatalistic, so anything I hate enough, I end up usually at being involved in, so I'm sure I'll end up on it at some point. Yeah, he just says, Watch out, the numbers notice playing next oh, season. Jesus. That does you no good. Let me tell you right now, it does you no good. She started yeah, the season. I will second picking. that motion. You got to yeah. know all kinds of like stupid. I hope you're a good lineup predictor. But exactly. we will also be doing the head-to-head -head thing. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, aside from this crappy system, do something we're a bit more familiar with and hopefully suck in that. So those were the givens. So let's talk about some speculations and all kinds of news being thrown around. Some of them speculations, some of them totally rumor. But let's start with this topic first. Mo and money. 
So I want to start with you, Bickler. So let's go back. There's, I mean, there's a lot of common in the both of their stories, right? With the amount of that's left in the contract, what's said to be what they're requesting in terms of wages and stuff like that. So given all that, we know for a fact Liverpool will not keep them both at those wages. We don't even know if they'll keep one. But if you're the man in charge and you get to pick one, who would Bickler pick to give the money to? Mo Salah. Follow-up question, why? <laughs> or <laughs> I don't even think that's that hard. So I think Mo Salah, even when he's in his worst form, which you could argue that he had been for the latter half of the second part of the season, um, since January, really, I think even Mo in poor form creates problems. Uh, I think he demands. Uh, I think he demands double teams, and he demands in in makes space in a way that Saudi money doesn't always do that. Um, I think if I'm looking at those, I think the one that's likely to hold up the best physically in terms of less injury and durability problems, it's Mo Salah. I think uh, – I just think the floor is higher and I think his ceiling's higher on both on, – on, as a player. Um, and that's – look, I mean, Sadio Mane is, is world-class. He's absolutely elite. In, in He's probably right to feel a little bit hard done by being second fiddle to Mo Salah. I think, I think that's probably legitimate. He has more position flexibility and versatility than Mo Salah, but I don't think he impacts the game. You could maybe make the argument that he works harder defensively than Mo Salah does it sometimes, but I just think the system is designed in a way with Trent on that side where like it's very important to have a player like Mo Salah on that side, and there are very few of them in the world. Uh, I mean, he's probably a one of one in terms of ability. I just think – at his age, he's the more dynamic player in my mind. And I think so. I think Sadio is an issue for the squad in general. And the fact that, like, if you look at Sadio Mane, what happens when he loses form, I think that us positioning him centrally, he captivated his form again and kind of resurrected his form. But I think moving him centrally really impacts Mosala. I think that, like, you can, you can. If you keep Mo Salah, you can find another dynamic left winger. Maybe it's Luis Diaz. It is. Um, as long as you have that right person in the center. And I think I think that moving Mane centrally has impacted Salah. In fact, I don't think the front three has really clicked until we had an inform and a healthy Firmino um, because of the way that he drops in and creates that space behind. Um, I know I'm branching out into various topics, but I think – that's just part of the reason why. For me, it's Mo. So, Gally, as I shift the question over to you, let me add this, I guess. Because I think if we look at the numbers, you know, goals, assists, whatever you want to look at, for the most part, Mo seems to be a no-brainer. But I guess let me ask you this. Because of what we've seen from Mane being able to play centrally for one, and I would guess – with all these numbers being thrown around that if you were to extend one and sell the other, I would think more would fetch a better price when you do sell them. Does that 
affect your thinking at all when you pick one or the other? No. And, and honestly, one is, is Mo made it pretty clear he's not going anywhere this summer. So he, if he leaves Liverpool, he's going on a free because he wants to maximize his money. And here's the little like sneaky secret out there no one wants to hear. If he doesn't go to PSG, we're going to pay him the most money. Like, that's the truth. What he's getting offered from Liverpool right now will be close to what Real Madrid or Barcelona can pay him and will pay him. The question is, is does he want to get the big sign-on bonus that he'll get by going somewhere else that he gets to keep 100% of? And does he want to change leagues and uproot everything? If you believe all these things, he had to float that he would play in England to drive up Liverpool's ongoing price because if he couldn't go in England, they almost knew the only other place was PSG and his ambitions are bigger than that. And maybe that's where this story now about him being promised Barcelona as a free. So I I don't think it comes into play because I think part of what you get in a fee is how much contract is remaining because that's how much more leverage they have in the extension. And I think Mo's going to get paid more than Mane is wherever he goes. So there might be an equal amount. If it's 45 million for Sadio, it might be 35 or 40 million for Mo. I don't think there's that big of a market for either of them at 31 years old or 30 years old with only one year left on their contract. Now to why I would pick Mo as well. And why Mane, you know, Paul, kind of stole where I was going with the second part. I think moving Mane to the middle not only hurt Mo, I think it made Mane more expendable because it allowed us to see more of Diaz on the left, envision what a fit Jota through the middle might look like, a fit Bobby through the middle, maybe using that money and signing a new type of striker that we haven't had in years that can do a little bit of the balls to the feet but maybe even play a little bit as a target man. You know, Nunez sounds wonderful. I'm sure there's a name that'll cost half as much and we've never heard of as the guy will get. Um, But I think that Sadio Mane was kind of holding an albatross over this side because he had done so much to earn the credibility to play himself back into form that if you ask why it's Mane or Mo, it's because Mo goes off form for two months at a time. And Mane has done it for a year and a half at times in the last seven years, multiple times for more than half a season. And I think when you going to invest this much resource into a player and alter your wage structure, guys got to be fully committed. Guys got to want it. And he started talking about where he was going to play before the champions league final. Cause he had already made up his mind. I don't think it affected his play, but I'm not going to apologize for him. He decided he wants to be somewhere else. And what does Jurgen usually do when that happens? He finds somewhere else for them to play, and he gets someone in that takes the job and moves forward. So to me, it's a no-brainer. You keep Mo, you re-sign him, and you build around him, and you buy the pieces that get him back to playing his best football, and you have better competition in the side. And I think it'll be better for everyone in the long run. And that's sad because Mane has been an amazing servant to the club. But every cycle sees players leave. And I think it's what makes really shrewd, great clubs great is they know when to get rid of a guy or let a guy decide he wants to go right at the right time. And I think we've seen it with Emerjan. We saw it with Genie. I think we're going to see it here with Mane. And I, I think this won't be the last time. I think there's a few more in this side right now everyone loves that in a year or two they'll be playing for someone else and everyone will go, oh, no, he's leaving. 
And then a year later, they'll be like, oh, it's probably the right decision because they know better than us. Yeah, I mean, this team is going to be, I mean, we're entering that phase. I mean, I don't like, but Emre was, I don't think, in that status. And Genie, as he claimed, was underappreciated. And honestly, anybody who plays in our midfield somehow was underappreciated, probably because of that front three. But we knew, you know, like slowly, you know, Bickler's Divac going for one. And now Mane, I mean, we're going to be losing these guys out of a team that we love. And I think it's just because, you know, this team, we talked about this before on our podcast, that, you know, these are like, we like him as like great humans, as Bickler was putting it, you know, not, not just as players. We really, really, it's a very likable squad that we've built. So anytime these guys leave, obviously it's going to be, you know, Half sad, half happy with the replacement kind of deal. But so let me come back to you, Bickler. For let's go to Mo. Mo saying he's gonna be here at least for another year is basically Mo saying if I resign, if we can kind of come up to a deal, we'll extend. If not, is he just waiting to see if something else happens, other options? Because like Gally is saying, not a lot of options are out there right now. Is he just waiting it out to see what happens in a year? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of things. I think, I think he wants to stay at Liverpool. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this is a lot of. I think it's two sides negotiating for leverage. One side, one side knows they have it, and the other one has to pretend like they don't know the other side has it. But I think if Mo, if you were to give him a true serum. Maybe it's a beer at a bar. I don't know. Um, like, if you were to give him the true serum, I think Mo would tell you that he knows that he doesn't have the leverage here. And I think that, I mean, just realistically, there, like Gally said, there are so few realistic options for a player like him at his age and what he's going to demand at, at, at a wage level. Um, I think it's a matter of time until he signs at this point. I think with that pendulum that swung. Uh, I think that's largely down for the fact that Mane, you know, is leaving. Um, I I think he'll be back, but I think, yeah, I think there's a part of him that thinks that if I stall this out long enough, maybe something will happen where the leverage will swing in my favor, whether it's like multiple moves within the team. I mean, it, crazy things happen during transfer season. Maybe like maybe uh, another dark horse side, maybe like a Juventus or maybe another side frees up a bunch of cash. And, and then they're they're like, maybe that rumor will spin that they, they're going to talk. They're going to come and take a swing and see what happens with Mo. And then all of a sudden Mo's got leverage. So like, I think, yeah, I think for him, I think his thinking is, well, let's see what happens in the first month or two here in this transfer window uh, and see if anyone frees up funds and comes comes for me. And then, you know, he's hoping he can play the sides off each other and, and work it in his favor. I think he wants to be at Liverpool. I really do. Um, and I do think that that is different from Sadio. I think Sadio does want to change. I genuinely believe he wants to be somewhere where he feels like uh, the number one guy. I also feel like he just is probably ready to get out from under most shadow. And I, and I think both of those, I don't fault him for either one of those. Uh, I think, you know, he'll probably go get paid, get better money somewhere else. And that's totally like, you know, this is his last big contract. So I don't fault either of these guys for doing what they need to do. I don't think – I'm not going to sit here and dissect the interviews. I, I genuinely think Sadio I, – I genuinely think Sadio was – oh, good. Look, there's a dog. What are you doing? 
Well, at least it's a dog because I thought there was a ghost or something. It was about. To I be was wondering if we were moment. getting. A, I was wondering if one of the little guys was either going to come through the door or maybe crawl like army no, style on their stomach to the fridge. She's just telling me it's dinner time. She thinks I forgot. So, yeah. Um, There's nothing left awesome. in that can you were eating earlier. Just give, <laughs> give it she'll can. probably go dig it out of the trash in a minute. Um, I so I genuinely think like with Sadio, like I, you know, like he made that comment about the sixty-seven percent of. I, I genuinely think that he was probably joking, uh, like he says he is. I believe him when he says he was joking. Um, I also genuinely believe he doesn't want to be there anymore. Uh, just in like this became this came from a while ago. Like you know when they asked him before the Champions League final, and he gave the non-answer. That that was the worst non-answer of all time. Like that was a that was a like that, that's a comment of a player that's definitely not only wants to be elsewhere knows he's going to be elsewhere and like you know when when Jurgen said when Jurgen said I we have a definite plan and understand what's going to happen with all these players I think people kind of took that as oh great everybody's going to be resigned I'm like and I didn't I was like no I think that means that they have definitely made key decisions on a couple of these big contracts yes. and in in like you know common sense will tell you we're not going to hang on to all of those. And, and he did. I and mean, he said it. He got asked again. He said, where do you think Mane will play next year? And I think his exact response was, wherever Sadio Mane plays next year, he'll be an important player. When have you ever heard the man with a guy under contract for a year who's about to get on a bus and go on a celebration tour with him? When have you ever heard him talk that way or that freely? He talked that freely because he let his guard down because he knew that within 72 hours, Fabrizio Romano was going to have the information, whether it was from Liverpool's front office or it was from Mane's people. Yeah. He knew it was coming out because it was a come and get me for Bayern or Real or Real or whoever you know decides to invest. And you know what? To Paul's point, good on Sadio. He wanted it. He actually said it. He stood by it. And then he's explaining it now to people. And I think when it's all said and done, he'll take out the one-page ad in the paper and he'll thank all the supporters and he'll say everything right like he's done everything right as long as he's been a Liverpool player. He really has been an amazing servant to the club. But you know what? He can come back on some Legends Day and we can cheer him then. You know, he'll get a nice applause if we play Bayern Munich in the Champions League someday. But I'm not going to follow him and I'm not going to root for him because that's not what I do. I don't dislike him. I won't root for him to get hurt. But I didn't care if Coutinho or Luis Suarez won the Champions League. And I didn't care if Jeannie was happy in France earlier this year, wanted to cry in his milk every five minutes about how their fans treated him and how he, all he was basically saying was, I screwed up and I really went. He was basically like sending them late night texts to the girl you let get away. And you're like, I wasn't really that bad. I really didn't mean to not do the dishes. I really did like, cause the grass isn't always greener and I hope it's good for him at Byron, but there's no guarantee he goes in there and sets the world on fire and is their number one option or even number two or three. They have great young players and they're going to keep buying. So wherever he goes, he's a 31 year old winger who's predicated on pace, who misses, you know, three out of every six good chances he gets. And that might be the nicest thing I'm going to say about him all night that he makes 50% of his good chances. Yeah. So I mean, I think I will root for, oh, come on. I think I will root for Sadio to do well because, I mean, 
the way he's leaving is kind of like different than the other guys. Unless something changes, I think a lot of this that. stuff is getting lost in the translation in terms of what he's saying. Uh, or, you know, like the whole 60-70% thing and stuff like that. And not only that, I think... I mean, I understand where he's coming from. Uh, similar to the Genie deal. I never, you know, till Genie talks smack afterwards, I was totally okay with Genie leaving too. Want everything that you possibly can and want to kind of like cash out on your last contract, so be it. Especially for a guy who gives a lot of what he makes for Sadio. I mean, like, yeah, more power to him. I will definitely root him. I mean, it's a player that, I, you know, I've liked. I wish he would have stayed, but I agree too. It's a guy who... I think like the biggest thing about Sadio is is like he's not predictable on the ball. He can go any which way. He's like agile and he's fast. And as he gets older, as those disappear, I don't think he has something to fall back on. You know, when I asked you guys, that was probably the biggest thing for me between Sadio and Mo is as Mo's speed disappears slowly, I feel like his vision and his passing and his touch is still going to be there to make him a good player uh, and, like, a very valuable player, whereas I can see, like, Sadio's value diminishing a bit faster. So here's the trick question I want to ask you guys now that we're talking about this. Let's fast forward to January, since we're talking all rumors and guesses anyway. Fast forward to January, Mo has not signed, and he's having, like, a so-so season. Do you cash in what you can get off of him in January, Galley, or do you play him out of his contract till the end of the year and let him go on a free? I mean, I'd also want to know how poised we are in the Champions League and in the league. And, you know, if Mo's just not great, but we're competitive, I'd probably hang on to him at all costs because he can catch fire and win you matches, which can win you titles. That's um, fair. But I will say this if we got to January and someone offered us, any of the type of money that was rumored to be offered for Pogba, offered for Mbappe, you know, offered for some of these players that went this year on a free that those clubs hung on to. I don't think it's a question of whether they'd cash in. I think it's how quick they'd cash in. Because I think if these folks have shown us anything, it's whether the supporters like it or not. They are some of the shrewdest business people are, that are in all the world sport, let alone world football. And, you know, I watched them as a Red Sox fan. I watched them sell, you know, trade Mookie bets for 25 cents on the dollar after he turned down their offer of $300 million because they were like, well, if you won't take $300 million over 10 years, you're not going to sign with us. So we'll take Verdugo, this guy, you know, this young up-and-coming prospect. They've flipped those moves around to a serviceable right fielder who's helped them every day and they've signed like four up and coming prospects that are going to be big parts of their organization for years to come. And they did that all on that Mookie Betts trade. And I, they're not afraid to make big moves in either direction. So if Real Madrid came in and offered 35, 40 million in January and we can't win at all, I think they would cash in. And I think they would move on because I think they always believe there's another cycle behind it. But I'm with Paul. I got my fingers crossed that a deal signed before the season starts. I'll say this, if there's not a deal on opening day of the regular season, I think Mo Salah has an opportunity to sign with anyone come the end of the contract. And I can't remember a guy getting to the end where he was a free and then re-signing with the team that he was at in a long, long time. 
How about you, Bickler? Taking the deal in January? I think it really depends. Obviously, I'm trying to phrase it where not based on our record, more of like what Salah is bringing to the table. Uh, so I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'll tell you why. Because because international football is very different than American sports. Where in the fact that you can't really afford to tank because every place is worth about three to seven million dollars on the table. Um, all the cup matches pay. In uh, my problem with the Mo situation, if you cash in, who's playing right wing? Because right now it would be your starting left winger since you sold Sadio Mane already. Yeah, that's the problem. Because yeah. who we've been playing uh, is so we we like Mane because we can play. He was a right winger, and now now he's gone. And then we've been playing Luis Diaz, who's never played right wing before. We played him over there out of necessity. So you play Luis Diaz on the right, then you're left playing Jota left? Or, like, that's my thing is, like, look, assuming we don't have another incoming transfer in the front three, which I think we will, I think we'll get yeah, at least another sort of striker type. But my main thing is we just don't have any depth on that side whatsoever without upsetting the rest of starting 11. And you can't just blow it up like you can in a lot of professional sports in America where you can just – Basically, blow that thing up, liquidate it for cap space or whatever you want to do, and then reinvest. You can't do that. Yeah, I think with Divac leaving and if Mane is going to leave, you're almost guaranteed to get somebody up top. I mean, do we know? Will it be like a big name, high dollar? God knows. I probably think not, to be honest with you. But definitely there would be somebody, maybe somebody like Diaz-like or Jota-like that would come over there. Sound like a mid-range player that will pay like big dividends moving forward. So before we kind of like go away, let me ask you guys this. Instead of going through every single rumor, because I think like, you know, I started writing them down that I was like, ah, fuck this. I'm like, like going through one player one by one because there's way too many. Bickler, let's start with you. Of all these names being thrown around, and God knows there's a lot, give me one that excites you and one that makes you throw up. Uh, the one that makes me want to throw up the most right now is just because people are just drooling over themselves is the Lewandowski thing. And that makes absolutely zero sense to me on why we'd swap a 30-year-old huge contract for an older 30-year-old more expensive contract on a player that doesn't press and can't do anything that we require tactically that position. Um, that one is probably the most barfiest. Um, the Pogba one, like, it's probably like a, a like a back page one. That's a weird one to me, too. Like, why would Jurgen Klopp take some – like, I mean, it, that just – like, I can't imagine that dude under Jurgen Klopp at all. It actually makes me laugh. I'd actually kind of – the more I think about that, the more I kind of want to see that now. Um, but anyway um, – I think the one that I'm most excited about um, is not probably going to happen, but the the Red Bull kid, Nakunku, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but um, that kid has position versatility. He's young. He's pacey. He has a good hold-up play, and he's a really – he does a lot of the things that Bobby does where he likes to drop deep um, and has really, really good vision for, for, a, for a striker. Like, he likes to pull back – and actually thread those through balls uh, in between the channels, which would be exactly what we want from, from somebody doing that. But he is a like-for-like like in the fact that he would be doing a lot of the stuff Bobby does, and he is not a traditional sort of target man, should you say. 
Gally, give me a name that gets excited, name that makes you throw up. Well, one, I'll do the throw up first because I think it comes to mind because, you know me, I like to bitch about shit, so it's always the negative first. Um, it's Dembele from Barcelona. The fact that he is on a free, the fact that he's been linked with Klopp literally like four or five times. Klopp has admitted he loves the player and sees him as an enigmatic talent that he thinks if anyone ever honed it in. Um, I want no part of his attitude. I want no part of his timeliness. Uh, and I want no part of his Frenchness, to be honest. Um, I just want no part of it anywhere. What's the Frenchness? You don't like Conrad? Oh. He has just the right He has just the right level of French in him And I think Dembele has just the right level of Henri in him If you know what I'm talking about And as an Irish kid, it's hard enough to say his name Jamie's probably, literally, his head's probably spinning Somewhere in North Carolina right now Because I brought up Thierry Henri and the Irish in the same sentence Um, But uh, that one really makes me weary and, and, And I would hate to see it because it would be huge wages So there's just as big of a risk the one that um, obviously Nunez excites me. I was a big fan of uh, the Lille striker, David, the Canadian born kid. He's really good. He's got positional awareness. I like Paul's recommendation from Leipzig, but I don't think he's going to move. And if he does, I think it would be PSG. But um, all I'll say is this, what I really wish, and I got crushed in discord last year, and like early August when I thought signing Jared Bowen from West Ham for 20 to 25 million sounded like a smart buy. Cause you could, you could probably play him. He was a right foot or left foot. He pressed, he ran all over the pitch and I got absolutely destroyed, like crushed. And I almost was like dug in and was rooting for him more because of it. And to be honest, he kind of turned out to be exactly what I thought. And now he's going to end up like starting for England in the world cup. <laughs> Like, and be one of England's most intricate players. And the funny part is now we can't get him now because someone like United's going to pay like 120 million for him and totally probably destroy the next five years of his career. Cause now he's the English kid. Everybody wants. So I'll say the name that gets me real excited is if somehow the reports are true that the Monaco midfielder has not fully decided on Real Madrid and that we're still in with a puncher's shot. Because I think if we sign, um, however the hell you say his name from Monaco, to Shiemi, that uh, kid would be perfect. perfect. I'm telling you right now, it would be the biggest signing the club has had, ar- arguably, as we all joke, since Klopp. Because I think it would change everything about the way we play all over the pitch. It would allow for different tactical formations. We would be signing what some project to be like, the closest of box to box midfielders since like Stevie G came into European football. They think the kid is that good. Um, And there's still this much of a chance. So I'm going to stay with that one as the one that like literally would get me fired up. But yeah, I do wish they had signed Bowen last year because I think he might've been a decent fifth option. Yeah, I go, I agree with that. Uh, The French. uh, So I do want that kid from Monaco as well because I think that's what we need. I'm okay with getting more of a a project, if you will, or a player that is promising that we probably have not heard of but is on our radar for the top line because we will need to get somebody over there. But you can get like another Divac, if you will, uh, for that spot. But midfield is where we need the help. 
Singari that makes me throw NFC up. Would be good. Uh, what was Singari that? would be like a good consolation if we miss out on the kid from Monaco. Yeah. That kid from PSV, he's a beast. I mean, just on the pure – just as a pure physical specimen, like he would be a good get. I mean, I think he's a lot more rougher around the edges and probably – I mean, that's what Klopp does, though. He develops. But, like, I think from – from a physical standpoint, he'd be a good consolation get in the midfield. Yeah, I think that's why I rather I'd be more excited with getting somebody for that rotation. Like goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. Somebody else, aside from like relying on Milner to be able to come in to help the midfield defensively, especially as we go into the five subs. The one that makes me throw up, which I'm I'm sure every American fan is gonna hate this, is Pulisic. Is can we please? Stop this craziness. I mean, I don't understand how people forgot that upon like up until what like six months ago, this is probably like the healthiest he's ever been because he's been healthy like six months straight or something like that. Dude is constantly injured. I know when his name was being mentioned before, that's when we had like you know a rotating infirmary schedule going with ox and stuff like that. We were like, <laughs> why do we need this guy too? We didn't have available beds for him to sit on and stuff like that. So why we went back to that now is beyond me. I mean, I know he's American and I'm sure there's some kind of a bias. Like I wanted Kabak to be signed longer or something like that. But for the money that he would get and definitely not somebody I would want to rely on for that you know, like front line and you would probably put him, I mean, I understand like he would fit a need, but definitely not somebody I would want to put my, you know, eggs in his basket with his history of health and honestly inconsistency as well. So let the hate mail begin on that one. But uh, so uh, boys was talking about like talking about Bobby's future. I do want to talk about that stuff. Uh, We have all somewhere to kind of like, kind of like go, approach a couple of players at a time. But before we go, since we talked about the front line, I wanted to get your guys' really quick take on this one. Keyword quick. Jota. Bickler, where does Jota rank right now, especially if Mane is leaving? Where do you see his role if we do not get somebody for the top? If we don't get anyone for the top, I got to believe he's starting striker. Uh, Just because I think... Yeah. Just I, I love I, I love Bobby, but I think Jota starts over Bobby just because I think that Jota has the legs that Bobby doesn't have right now. I and I think I think maybe you start seeing I think Bobby's in a similar situation as Jordan Henderson, to be quite honest with you. Very, very important for the squad, probably a tactical start. Where do you have him there, Gally? Yeah, I think he has to start right now as your number nine and you know, in the middle of the pitch and against certain opponents, we always talk about it. Bobby is worth his weight in gold. You know, Bobby didn't string together five consecutive starts at any point in the entire season. They played 63 matches and over the last month and a half, you know, it was pretty hard outside of a few minutes against Southampton to find moments where he really, really looked really strong. Um, You know, so I think he plays more of a bit role but an important one, uh, just as important to the Milner comments, you know, just as important in the clubhouse in the dressing room and on the training pitch. And I think he plays in tactical matchups where he can cause the other team fits. And I think a lot of times that'll be against big clubs in big matches. I'm just hoping he has the legs and was, is fit enough. And I hope that Jota finds his confidence and figures out how to play with Diaz. Cause to me, 
Jota looked lost from the moment Luis Diaz basically was had his name sung by the cop. Yeah, see, that's why I still feel like a Bobby that has an offseason to get healthy, I would rather much rather have him start and Jota come off the bench. If we're chasing a goal and, you know, like obviously we're going to put more balls in the box and stuff like that. But I still feel like Mo is at his best uh, when Bobby's in there as well, kind of like what we talked about earlier. And I think Diaz would – we did not see Diaz and Bobby together a lot, obviously due to like Bobby's health for the most part. And, you know, the front line ended up being with Mane in the middle. But I really think that could be – we always talked about, you know, Mane, Bobby, Mo. Uh, we might be able to replace Mane with Diaz and still keep that trio be very dangerous up top. Uh, Alan is asking about Minamino. That's another whole story. So probably next week's podcast, we will take a look at some of those names. We'll probably go into more detail with like Bobby and Jota and like take a look at Minamino, Ox, unless we've heard something between now and then. Real quick, anything happening between now and next Monday, Bickler? Or are we still in the speculate mode? Not for me. We'll just see what happens. I think I don't – nah, I don't see anything happening that quickly. I think it's going to – I think it'll be – I think it's going to be, be a busy summer. I just think it's going to take a little bit to ramp up here. What do you think, Gally? Between now and next Monday, we got something or no? If The only thing, in my opinion, that could happen between now and next Monday is Sadio being sold because we do know that they confirmed that they got a bid from Bayern Munich. Like Liverpool admitted they rejected the bid to the media. So, therefore, you know – the talks have begun. So if that's happened, then maybe there's an offer. And if they got one they liked, I do think they'll take it because that sets, to Paul's point, it kind of sets the tone to what a, could be a very busy summer for them. But incomings, no chance. Yeah, I think this whole international game thing, I know it is semi-frowned upon too, especially if the game doesn't go. I know some of these games are not crucial games. It's like Cup of Nations and crap, but still they all count. And I know in most countries you don't want your guy dealing with this contract talk and then sucking it up the next day in a national game and nobody wants that heat on themselves. So I would think most people are going to like kind of suffer through these national games for another week. And then things will start falling into place. Really a short offseason if you think about it. Because I know like some of the preliminary eliminations and stuff are starting end of July for Champions League. So a lot of clubs have only like a month. And obviously with camp and stuff like that, it's going to be a pretty short summer. Thanks to the World Cup in freaking winter, people. Gotta love that. Well, gentlemen. Thanks a lot as always. We will be here next Monday. Hopefully we'll be talking more facts than fiction and rumors. And we'll kind of like take a look at a couple of other players as well. Thanks to all listening, commenting. Give it a like and a share. I keep talking about this, but a lot more coming on the YouTube channel as well. So if you have not subscribed, subscribe and tell your friends to get their butt over there and subscribe as well. See you guys next week. Take care, everybody.